Oh, we worship you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. You're such a good father. Oh, such a good father. We have no reason to to fear you. Oh, we stand in awe of you. But we don't have to fear you. We don't have no terror of you. Because you love us so unconditionally, so perfectly. Father, open our hearts and our minds to to receive you for who you truly are. Give us wisdom. Wisdom beyond our ability to understand, just simply in our intellect. Wisdom to know you as you really are. That we might represent you rightly, that others through our lives might see you as the loving, caring Father that you truly are. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name above every name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, he's just so wonderful. So wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I made a commitment the first part of this year that we were going to We're going to spend some time talking about vision, vision of the church, and you know, and so we've we've talked about the history of the church, and and last week we just simply talked about the church because I I believe in order to have vision for the future, number one, we have to know where we've come from before we can know where we're going, but then we also have to have an understand of, understanding of some of these basic principles and truths that we'll uh, uh, apply in our life. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it may have seemed a little bit silly, foolish to just simply talk about the church and the importance of the church. But, you know, until we understand that the church is important, we don't put the proper emphasis upon it that we ought to. And so this morning, I want to talk with you about something that has the potential uh, in the minds of individuals to be a little bit controversial, and I'm not a controversial person. If you really know me, I, I love controversy about as much as I love appendicitis. You know, and so uh, you know that that's not much because I had them jerked out. And, but it, it has the potential of that. Because I want to talk with you today about the tithe. And the reason that it can be a little bit controversial is because, first of all, people don't like it when you talk about 
money in church, although so much of our life evolves around money, but we don't like to talk about it. And, you know, they, they think that's all that we preachers want to talk about. And, of course, I do agree with the philosophy where two or three are gathered together, ye shall take an offering. You guys still don't appreciate my humor. Uh, but, and so people don't like talking about it, but I want to talk about it because I believe it's important in each of our lives. But it's also controversial from the standpoint of the position that I'm going to take concerning it. Um, you know, when I was first saved, I was raised in a church that believed in infant baptism. And uh, so being in the church that I was in, there was a lot of, you know, that was embedded in me. And a lot of the people that are around when I was initially saved and filled with the Holy Spirit didn't believe in that. They believed in, in uh, immersion after conversion. And of course, I wasn't going to change my position because a bunch of people told me I needed to. And so my position changed, not because of what people told me, but because of what I studied in the scriptures. And so that was why, that's why as Abundant Life Ministries, we practice today immersion after conversion because that's what I believe and that's what we believe as a body that scripture teaches when you take it as a whole. And so when, when I begin to talk about the tithe, and one of the reasons why I approach this with fear and trepidation is because over the last couple of years, it's not something that I've come to a conclusion quickly or suddenly, but over the last couple of years, I have felt uncomfortable with some of the teaching that I had received concerning tithing because in my studies, I felt that it didn't fit what Scripture teaches us as a whole. And so that's what I'm going to share with you today. And so what I'm sharing with you today is what I've seen in my study of Scripture. And so all that I ask of you is that you would have a an open mind. You know, when I first was saved, the teachings that I heard was that, te that, that to pay the tithe, to give the tithe, was mandatory. That there was no, there was no choice. It was an obligation that we paid our tithe and that if we didn't pay our tithe, we were cursed with a curse that there would be a curse that would come upon our lives because we didn't pay that debt that we owed because we were stealing from God. We're going we're gonna to talk about this, so don't, don't just shut me off and whatever, just hear what I have to say this morning because I believe that it's, that it's very important. But in my studies, I found that neither one of those are true. And so I want to talk about that today. But let's begin by looking at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. 
Got real quiet in church all at once. Praise the Lord. But in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter in the sixth verse, let me tell you something. If you'll hear what I have to say today, I believe it'll set you free. You may be here this morning and you struggle just in a general way with, with giving. If you'll listen to me today, I believe that it'll set you free and you'll become a giver. If you're an individual that is already tithing, maybe even given above and beyond the tithe. If you will hear what I have to say today, I believe that in your giving, you will experience a freedom that you've never experienced before. For it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Christ did not come to set us free so that he could bring us back into bondage again. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's what I want us to see today. Whether you fully agree with me or not, I don't care, it's not about me. But I want you free. I want you to experience in the fullness, the freedom that has been made available to you through Christ Jesus. And the closer that we can walk to the truth of the Word of God, the greater the freedom that we're going to experience in our lives as sons and daughters of God. But in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Paul is teaching, he says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he's purposed. And God is able to make all grace abound. But that last part, so let each one give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know how we can read this scripture and not come to the conclusion that what God wants from you and I as his sons, as his daughters, that we're able to give cheerfully, not out of a sense of obligation, not out of a sense of guilt, but we give because we love our God. Look at what it says down at the end of the chapter in the 15th verse. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts. Thanks be to God. It summarizes the whole thing. God wants to bless us beyond measure. But he says he wants us to be cheerful. He doesn't want us to do it out of compulsion. He doesn't want us to do it because, you know, it's what I'm obligated to do. He wants it to be part of our heart, something that we long to be able to do. In other words, if we back up just a few pages to, to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the, 
the third verse, we ought to be giving out of love. Notice what it says here. He says, and though I bestow on you my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. So our motivation in giving to God, it ought not to be out of fear. It ought to be love. It ought to be because I, be because I, I love God and I, I, I love to see his people brought into the kingdom. That ought to be our motivation in, go, in giving, not grudgingly, not out of compulsion, not because we have this sense that we have to. You know, the Bible talks about the first example of the tithe that we have in the, in the scripture is, is, is Abraham. Uh, when, he, when he gave tithes to Melchizedek and he, 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 he didn't do it under the law. It was, it was 400 years before the law was given. And if, and if we read that in its context, what we see is that, that, that uh, Abraham had just defeated the king of, uh, of Salem, Salem. And uh, the king wanted to give him all of his money, all of the, the produce that he had, uh, product that he had, he had gained out of the defeat. But, but Abraham says, no, I won't take it because if I took it, you would say that it was the king that made me wealthy. And what Abraham was saying is not the king that made me wealthy, it's the blessing of God that has made me wealthy. And it says at that time, he gave a tenth of all to Melchizedek. Now it wasn't under the law, like I said, it was already 400 years prior to the law being given through Moses that Abraham began to tithe. Many times people want to say, well, the tithe is, is, is part of the law. No, the tithe was before the law. And so he began and he, he gave. And so we under the new covenant, you know, I, I believe that the tithe isn't the finish point. I believe that, that the tithe is the initial goal that we have as Christians and we go beyond that. Because if, if under the law they were able to give a tenth, how much more we should be able to do under grace, under the new covenant, under the, under the things of God. And so Abraham didn't do it out of an obligation or out of a requirement of the law. He did it out of faith. He did it out of an expression of his trust in Almighty God. Now, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and let's turn to Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi, the third chapter. And, and really, anybody that, that teaches on tithing, this is really where they um, get the majority of their teaching oftentimes out of. And so let's begin in Malachi, the third chapter in the eighth verse. And it says, 
Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. For you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. He's saying, you are cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, because you've not given of your tithes and offerings. Tenth verse, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer, praise the Lord. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that you will not, <clears throat> so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in, its, in the fields, says the Lord of hosts. And so he says, Give your tithe. And if you don't give your tithe, I'm going to club you over the head. That if you don't give your tithe, you're going to be cursed with a curse. Well, Christ set me free from the curse. I'm not under the curse. The curse was under the law. I'm not under the curse. I've been set free from the curse. And so and if, you're, if you're doing this, if you're tithing, out of a sense of obligation that if I don't tithe, I'm going to be cursed with the curse, and you're doing it legalistically, let me tell you something, that's not enough. You've got to keep it all, because if you're guilty in one point, you're guilty in all points. In Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians, the third chapter, is one of my favorite parts of the Scripture once I understood what he's talking about. But in Galatians, the third chapter, in the tenth verse, he says, for as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For as many as are the works of the law. Whatever you do under the law is works. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And that means if you're going to do part of it, and you're going to put your trust in part of it, you must do all of it. And if you fail in one point, you fail in all of it. If you are looking to the law and you don't tithe, and because you don't tithe, you believe that you're cursed with a curse. 
me tell you something. You're not just a non-tither. You're a murderer. You're a thief. You're an adulterer. But you say, Pastor, I've not done those things. The Bible says that if you fail in one point, you failed in all points. Do you know what the law revealed? It revealed to us, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I need someone to pay the price for me so that I can live whole. If we're going to keep the law, we must keep the law 100%. There's no compromise. We can't keep the part of the law that we want to keep and ignore the part of the law that we don't want to have anything to do with. It's either all or nothing. Everybody say, we love you, Pastor Dave. So I'm not mad. I just feel really intense right now. And the reason that I feel really intense is I want you free. I want you free in every area of your life. I don't want bondage to have any kind of a grip of you in any area of your life. Let's look at Galatians, the third chapter. Let's drop down to the 11th verse. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith. But the man that does them shall, by, shall live by faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangs upon, cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentile, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We receive the promise through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the completed works of Jesus. Malachi, said, where it says, you are cursed with a curse. That applies, it goes totally contrary to what he's telling us in Galatians. You know, the law is great. The law gives us something to follow. The law is important. You know, as a child, through threat and punishment, I learned certain things. You know, we didn't live in town, but we, we lived in, on Highway um, 16, which was the major highway in southern Minnesota for inter, inter, interstates and so forth. And, you know, one of the things that I was that I learned at that time was before you cross the highway, you look both ways. And if I didn't, I got whacked. I learned. Town today, I'm, I'm 68 years old. 
When I walk across the street before I go, I look both ways. Why? Because I was trained to look both ways. How was I trained? I was trained by my mother and father that gave me no choice. And if I didn't follow their choice, I got the consequences. We're not living truth or consequence anymore. We live by the truth. And the truth of God's word is that when we take it and we apply it in our lives, we don't experience the consequence. The consequence is not that we're going to be cursed. The consequence is that our behavior will produce certain things in our life because I'll cross the street when I'm not supposed to cross the street and I'll get hit by a car and it's not God's fault, it's my fault. Because I didn't apply the principles that have, been, that have been given to me in my life. In fact, I think it's a very interesting thing. When we look in the book, and when we look at Malachi in the third chapter and it's talking about if we don't give our tithes, we're cursed with a curse. I never hear anybody teaching this. But it's not just talking about the tithe. It says tithes and offerings. Am I right or am I right? Thought I was right. It says tithes are off and, not or, it says tithes and offerings. If you don't give of your tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. Now, if you're doing it under the law, then we have to approach it under the law. And I've never studied this out. I've heard teachers and preachers teach on it, that under the law, it wasn't 10%. It was more like 33% that was the requirement and the obligation to fulfill the law. And so if you're going to operate under the law, it's not just giving of your tithe, it's giving of the offerings. <clears throat> and so it's not just 10%. <laughs> you guys are really enjoying this, aren't you? <clears throat> it's more like 33%. Well, thank God. We've been set free. And so everybody's going, whew. I'm not obligated to tithe. You're right. And that's why every preacher is afraid to preach this message. You're not obligated to tithe. You're privileged to tithe. Because the principles that God has given us in his word still applies to us today. The principle, we looked at it a few weeks ago when we were looking in Genesis, says as long as this earth remains, there will be a seed time and harvest. And you know the problem with seed time and harvest is if you want to, you can eat all of your seed. But if you eat all your seed, 
You have nothing left. You have nothing for the future. See, the giving is like planting seed. The seed that we plant is like giving into our future, paving the way for our future. You know, I, when I got a hold of tithing, and I, I'm sure it was, there was an element of legalism in it because we were obligated to tithe. But I remember when, when, when you know, we began to tithe and we were, we were tithing faithfully. And when we was living in, in Ankeny, we, we decided we were going to check out and see about getting into a charismatic Pentecostal church something out of the denomination that we had been a part of. And so we, we began to look around and search churches. And, but while we were doing that, I believed in tithing. And so what we did was we began to send our tithe to this mission organization because we weren't part of a, part of a church. And, and so for six months, we sent our tithe to this mission organization, and then we ended up going back to the church that we had, we had left. And I believe, as it says in, in Malachi, I believe the church is the storehouse, the home church. And so I knew that my tithe belonged in my home church. But I had a dilemma. We had a dilemma. What are we going to do? Because we wanted to continue to support the mission organization that we had begun to support, but I knew that my tithe belonged in my, my home church. And so we could only figure out one solution. We began to tithe to our home church, but we continued to give an offering in the same amount to the mission organization that we had supported, that we started to support. And you see, I believe the Word of God. I believe that if the Word of God doesn't work in our everyday life, what's the point? And so we gave our tithes and offerings, even when we were in Bible school, and it was difficult, we, we continued to, to give at the same amount that we'd give. In fact, we would pull out a savings so that we had enough to, to give our tithe. And then we took the church up in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and my salary was 60% of the offering. And, and I can remember the Sunday our salary with four kids and three of them in private school was $39 and some odd cents. So needless to say, things were tight up there. But we never missed a house payment. I never missed a meal. How did we do that? I look back on those two years that we spent in Wapaka, Wisconsin. And even to some extent, the first years that we were here, and I look at that and I think, how did we make it? Mathematically, it is an absolute impossibility. 
But there is only one thing that I can attribute it to. That the fact that we gave tithes and offerings sowed seed into our future. This didn't happen very often. But we would get money from people that we, didn't, we hardly even knew. And they'd say, we just felt impressed to send this to you. God supplied every one of our needs according to his riches in glory. Men and women of God, this is what I want you to know this morning. You don't have to be under, feel like you're under the thumb of God. That if you miss something, that you're cursed with a curse. I want you to know that the blessings of God are upon your life. And when you take the principles of his word and you apply them in your life, you're going to experience abundance and peace and joy beyond our ability to be able to understand in any way, shape, or form. You see, God had to deal with the children of Israel in the way that, they, that he did because what I'm sharing with you this morning, they did not have the ability to comprehend. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man, listen to me, you are not a natural man. You are a supernatural man. You've been born again of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is alive on the inside of you. And because the Spirit of God is alive on the inside of you, you have the capacity to understand spiritually what God has teaching, is teaching us and instructing us. And says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Even we, when we try to understand these things in the natural, it makes absolutely no sense. I'm going to live better off of 90% of my income than I do off of 100% of my income? Yes. But my mind, if I allow it to dominate and go through the figures, you'll say, no, that's an absolute impossibility but it isn't a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing because we put our trust, we put our confidence in Him and in Him alone. I believe what our, what our tithe really is is it's our demonstration that we truly believe, we truly trust in what God has told us. I heard a preacher sharing this story and he was talking about how in one of his services he talked about how the tithe wasn't an obligation that God wanted us to give cheerfully. He didn't want us to give grudgingly. He didn't want us to give out of necessity. If I believe that I 
legalistically must give of my tithes and offerings or I'm going to be cursed with a curse. It's a necessity for me to give. Amen? That's necessity at that point. It isn't because I choose to. It isn't because I long to. It's a true necessity for me to give so that the curse doesn't come upon me. Well, and you know, there's a lot of believers. They give out of fear. They give out of obligation. They give out of fear that if I don't do this, listen, I was taught in those early days that if I did not give my tithe, if I did not pay my tithe, God would get it from me in other ways. That we'd have sickness in our household so that that money would come out of my pocket anyway. You know, all this talk about insurance and stuff for the first hundred years of our marriage. We didn't have any insurance. All of our kids were born without insurance and they're paid for. Aren't you glad, Jeff? You know, all of them. And I know things are, are so much different today. But see, we were taught that if you didn't pay your tithe, curse would come upon you. God would get it out of you one way or another. Doesn't that sound like a loving God? You know, and the fact that we could believe that, after having the revelation that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed. But you know what? Hilton Sutton shared this with me. He said, if you err in one area, you're subject to err in another area. Now, none of us got it all put together. Amen. Well, maybe some of you do. I know that I don't. But it just shows if, if, you, if you don't have an understanding of the curse and you think you can be cursed because you don't tithe, that the curse of sickness can come upon you? The curse of disease can come upon you so that God can get out of you that which you've withheld from him? That doesn't sound very loving to me. And that's because it's a lie. We bought into the lie. We've allowed that lie to be permeated within the church and it's time for us to rise up and say, I am redeemed from that part of the curse I'm redeemed from all of it. But anyway, this preacher, he hears this, and, 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 and the guy's already a tither. But he says, I realized that I was doing it out of obligation. And so he went home, and he sat down with his wife, and he began to, they began to talk about this. And, and they decided, we were, we were, we, they're, they're not going to sit down and figure out what their tithe is any longer. They're going to Give as they purpose in their heart. And so they began to do that. And he said about six months later, he noticed that he had more money in his bank account. And he says, I, and he says his fear came against He says, I know what's probably happening. I'm not giving like I should. And so he says, I probably decreased in my giving. And as a result of that, my, 
my account is going higher. And so I went back and he began to check it out. And instead of giving 10%, they were giving 24%. His, his giving didn't decrease. But as he purposed in his heart, his giving began to increase. I shared with you the story about us and our tithe and so forth. And that's kind of the, the path that we've taken. We give as we're moved in our heart. And I was out here last week preparing my message, and I really am still debating within my heart whether to share this with you, but I want you to know that what I share with you on a Sunday morning, I share it with you because I believe it. I share it with you because I practice it and because it's part of my life. Because I believe I've seen the fruit and the increase and the blessings of it. You know, when I worked in Ankeny, I worked for a plumber. His name was Joe Bianchi. Is a little Joe's plumbing. And we did all the, the city work for the sewers and the waters and stuff. And he had this big old backhoe. And, and so when there was a sewer line that was plugged or broken or whatever, we were, we were called to the job. And we'd go on that job and Joe would be up in the, in the backhoe and he'd, he'd dig it out. You know, I'd be standing on the side with the shovel. And all of a sudden, he'd jump off the back hole and he'd jump down in the hole. Now, let me tell you something. Those holes were not pleasant places to be. You know, there was stuff floating between your legs that I, I just won't talk about today. Remember, it's city sewer. And uh, you let your, well, don't let your imagination go. But Joe would jump off and he'd run down and he'd, he'd get, and I'd say, Joe, let me do it. It's what I'm hired for. And he looked at me and he says, I will never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. That was new to me. Because just about everybody that I worked for, they would have me do what they didn't want to do themselves. But that wasn't Joe. He says, I'll never ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. And so I would have to race into the ditch. I was younger then. A lot younger then. But I believe that principle. And so as pastor of Abundant Life Ministries, I would never ask you to consider something that I don't believe and that I don't practice myself. So I'm out here last week and I'm getting my message put together and I get home and on our counter Pastor Becky has the printout of our giving for 2016. I know that we give above a 10, uh, 10%. I know that. 
because I know that we give more than that to the church general fund and we, we support missionaries. I am blessed above and beyond what I can even think or imagine with my family, with the things that God provides for me in my life, the things we get to do as husband and wife, above and beyond. And so, I figured out what we gave. I was shocked, and I was thrilled at the same time. We gave 30% of our income to Abundant Life Ministries last year. And I share that with you for one purpose. It's not because, and, and see, my, my, my fear is people are going to home and they're saying, well, there's Pastor Dave bragging about his giving again. It's not it. I want you to know that these principles in God's Word works. I do not give grudgingly. I do not give out of necessity. I give Pastor Becky and I give cheerfully. We give as we purpose in our heart. We sow seed, and that seed produces abundantly in our lives. I read this scripture earlier. Luke, the sixth chapter, the 38th verse. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. We determine how we give. We determine what we give. It's, it's, it's up to us. You know, if, if the hundredfold return, if all that we had to do was give our tithe, the church would be bursting at the seams with millionaires. But the last time I noticed, that wasn't the case. And I believe that there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, in this church, that tithe. But do we tithe cheerfully? Do we tithe knowing that we can trust God in every situation? I want to look back to Melanchia once more for, for a moment. I want to read once again Malachi 3. And it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And like I said, I believe the storehouse is the local church. That's what I believe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Well, pastor, why are you going back to this verse. 
Folks, we've been redeemed from the curse, not from the blessing. We've been redeemed from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham can come upon the Gentile. The blessing that we see in Abraham, if we go all the way back to Genesis, was Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham and Lot had to separate themselves from one another because they were, Abraham was so prosperous that the lands could not sustain the two of them. And when Lot separated himself from Abraham, he went down the tubes because he no longer trusted God. He trusted in his own efforts because he chose the premium land. Abraham knew that his blessings came from God. And he says to Lot, you choose. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Lot chose the fertile valley. And Lot lost it all because he did it in his own strength and his own ability. Abraham took the lesser of the lands and he was blessed, he prospered. He is a wealthy man because the blessing of God was upon his life. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there's not even enough room to receive it. He said, try me now in this. As far as I know, there's biblical scholars that may have a correction for me in this area. Just don't do it right now. But as far as I know, this is the only place in Scripture where God himself says, try me now in this. In other words, what he's saying is, try it and see what happens. Do it and just see if I'm not a God of my word. Try me now in this. I think King James maybe says, test me now in this but try me now on this. Try it and see if it doesn't work. And why would he say that? Especially when he's, well, not just talking to the Old Testament people, talking to us. It's scary. When somebody comes to you and asks of you a portion of that which is necessary in your life to meet your needs, to supply the needs of, of your family, because we're not just talking about you as the head of the house. <clears throat> we're talking about your ability to supply for those whom you feel responsible for. And God says, try me now in this. See if I won't do exactly what I said I will do for you and pour out for you such a blessing that you won't even be able to contain it. I used to have 
a problem with this when I was under the law. Because I'd hear people say, God cares more about your heart than he does the money you give. He cares more about your attitude. Of course, I think part of the reason that I had a problem with it was their attitude was that they wanted to give as little to God as they possibly could. But you know what? I've come to believe that. I've come to believe that your attitude is more important than the amount. There's tithers that are not experienced the abundance that they ought to in their life because of their attitude. They're doing it out of obligation. They're doing it out of necessity. They're not doing it out of faith. They're not doing it as a way to express, express their trust and confidence in God as their source of everything. He's not our source of some things. He's our source of all things. And so, maybe you're here today and you're, you're struggling with the whole giving thing. I want to challenge you. Try God in this. Start giving what you're comfortable with. Maybe it's 1%. Maybe it's 5%. Maybe it's less than that. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. But start and give and just see how God will bring increase into your life. If you're a tither, I'm not saying, <laughs> stop tithing. <laughs> heaven, <clears throat> heaven forbidden. You know, my, uh, my, my elders just fainted. You know, but uh, <clears throat> that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this. If you're tithing and you're, you're struggling in your heart with it, Back off. Back off so you can give cheerfully. You say, you know what, Pastor Dave, what you're sharing could be the end of the church. And so be it. Because if the Word of God isn't good enough and strong enough, for this church, then it's time for the doors to close. But see, I'm not concerned about that in the least. You know why? Because I know my God. And I know that as you begin to give, there's, there, there's something, there is something that is released within you when you begin to have a, a heart of giving, you know, there's a lot of manipulation that goes on in the church. I remember hearing, and this isn't that long ago, there was a television preacher and they were having one of their 
fundraising things. And this preacher gets up and he says, God is showing me that in the next 10 minutes that anyone that gives $1,000, the windows of heaven will be open to you. The 10 minutes was just about open. He says, God is showing me that he's given us a seven-minute extension. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is. That is manipulation. The Bible says that's as witchcraft. When somebody tries to manipulate, I close my wallet. I'm not trying to manipulate you today. If you feel any sense of manipulation coming against you today, you approach the elders after this service and you say, I want my tithe back. I want my offering back. Because if any part of this is manipulation in your life, what I'm doing is totally anti-Christ. And it's wrong. Now, I've been in services where there were offerings that were taken. And I literally, literally ran to the front. Once again, that was a few years ago. I've been in offerings where I've literally tried to climb over chairs. I've been in services where we're supplying the need of a missionary or whatever it may be. And we practically fight over who gets to supply that need because of the anointing that is there. God wants your giving to be anointing, anointed. And where there is that anointing, there will always be increase. Don't give out of necessity. Don't give out of manipulation. Give because you want to. Give because God's moved on your heart. Give knowing that He, Almighty God, is going to bring about increase in your life. And every need Every need will be met. Your need will be supplied. The needs of the church will be met. The needs of the missionaries that we support will be met. And we'll be able to give in benevolence to supply the needs of those in need as we never have before. You see, God isn't running short. God has more than enough. What God needs is individuals like you and me that believe his word, that practice his word, 
that have expectations that what he says in his word will come to pass. I believe it. I declare it. We are a prosperous church. Not because we're a bunch of wealthy people, but because we serve such a mighty God. Hallelujah. Well, I got to quit. I don't want to. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just lift our hands up to him. Oh, Father, we worship you. We magnify the name that's above every name. We thank you, Father, that you are the one that supplies every one of our needs. We thank you, Father, that you have instituted the principles of sowing and reaping and that when we apply those principles in our everyday life, we see the increase. Father, I thank you for these that are gathered here today. I thank you, Father, that we're a blessed bunch, that you supply every one of our needs and that you want to bring about increase in each of our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would move upon each of our hearts and that each one of us, we would simply be obedient to you, to the Holy Spirit, as he guides us, as he leads us, as he directs us, even in this area that we talked about here today, in the area of giving. Father, we don't want to do it in our strength. We don't want to do it in our own wisdom and knowledge. We want to do it being led by your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that through Christ Jesus, you have already redeemed us from the curse of the law. But you redeemed us so that the blessing might come upon us, that it might rest upon each of us. And so, Father, we declare today that we are a blessed people, that you have filled us with your precious Holy Spirit. And, Father, we choose to walk in, obedient, in obedience to you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. And so, Father, as we go, we go in your peace, your strength, your love. We go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.